Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning, Joe. We are recording today's episode in the morning of Thursday, the 14th of October. And our headlines for, for this week are the GDP figures that were released, I think, yesterday um, for, for August. As ever, they're monthly figures, so kind of caveat beware. Um, that they're, they're quite kind of um, early, early indicators, but still worth looking at. Um, we had employment figures out um, this week. Again, kind of a bit of a mixed mixed bag there in terms of, of the signs that they might be um, showing us. So interesting, this is kind of happens normally around this time of year where the credit insurers bring out predictions for what the outlook is for insolvency um, in the, the coming year. So we'll have a look at Atradius and Eula Hermes reports um, on that. And I don't think we could really pass by discussing the ongoing supply chain issues. There's been a lot in the press um, this week about port congestion. That, that's that's been a, a topic that we've we've come back to lots of times in this in this podcast. But again, I think worth um, worth just just talking about again. So let's start, Nick, with the the GDP figures for the UK the month of August, and there were some revisions as well, weren't there, to some of the previous months. There were. Um, the GDP growth in August, at least at this sort of early snapshot uh, stage, um, showed that uh, GDP rose by 0.4%. Mm-hmm. That is uh, compared to general expectations among economists of 0.5%. So it was okay. close. And this is, and remember, so August we had the pandemic, as it were, where people were being told to self-isolate. That ran until I think about the middle of the month, didn't it? So we were expecting that to have an impact on on growth. Yeah, and and uh, looking at it on a longer term basis, um, the uh, ONS pointed out that that left us 0.8 percent below still Mm pre-pandemic. And what I picked up elsewhere, which in funny sort of ways probably rather more important, is that we are 0.8% below pre-pandemic. We're 4.8% below what the pre-pandemic growth trends mm. suggested we would be at at this stage. And that's interesting. Um, so the IMF, I think, also has some, some figures around uh, about that. I mean, they they were headline news this week by, by warning that central banks need to be very, very um, vigilant on inflation risks. But but also in that report, um, they're saying that that they think for, for this year, um, the UK will be 3% below um, where it should have been. So, you know, again, and that, Germany, France and Italy, I think, also below where they would have been looking at the 2019 forecasts. Um, so we're kind of in company, but the UK is at the worst end of that scale with, I think, US, Canada and Japan actually performing better um, in that period. Indeed. Um, biggest contributor, positive contributor to the uh, rather marginal rise of 0.4% was hospitality. Right. Unsurprising mm-hmm. because, of course, in July, we'd, cut, we'd, we'd come out of uh, you know, lockdown restrictions. Yeah. Um, and uh, hospitality growth uh, boosted GDP by pretty much all of that 0.4%, 0.28% of it. Mm. Um, the Breaking it down a little bit further, um, production stroke manufacturing uh, grew by 0.8%, largely to do with that oil field that screwed oh, yes. up the July figures yeah. coming back on stream. So, you know, some of this is very, very granular. Mm. Um, so production was up 0.8%, but still 1.3% below Feb 2020. Right. Services overall uh, were 
up um, 0.4%, but consumer-facing services were up strongly in August because of hospitality coming back on on stream. But those consumer-facing bag of services are still 4.7% below Feb 2020. Wow. And the ONS specifically refers to, hey, hey, supply chain issues as being part of the problem. And the really worrying bit, and uh, everybody who listens regularly knows where I'm coming from here, is construction, which was down 0.2% in August and is 1.5% below pre-pandemic. And this is the sector that wasn't supposed to be in trouble. Yeah. You know, it was supposed to bounce back and it certainly bounced back last year after all the initial problems. But blimey, is it now having trouble, you know, perfect storm doesn't really cover it. You know, everywhere you turn, uh, there is a there is there is a problem. And you know, I probably don't need to remind listeners again, regular listeners, this is the sector that contributes almost a fifth of the UK's insolvencies. So if it's struggling, there's a problem. There's a problem. Yeah. Um, you referred to, quite rightly, um, ONS revised the first their first crack at July GDP from a 0.1% rise, which is what they said first time, now it's a 0.1% fall. And I think we were struggling to see where the 0.1% rise had come from in July. When we, 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 we were, so we were quite, so quite yeah. right. Yeah. Pat on the back, pat on the back. Um, and um, the ONS also uh, gave us uh, quarterly figures to the end of August uh, of a rise of 2.9% on a rolling basis. That compares yep. with the previous quarter. Um, sort of struggling with that number, but we'll see. Because again, there'll be there'll be revisions and a bit more information as time. Yeah, and I suppose and normally we we tend to like to think about calendar quarters, don't we? So really, yes. we'll look at the the kind of headline numbers will come at you know with when September's um, included. So I guess we'll we'll start thinking about those being available in in November. Time. Yeah, and and, and uh, um, you know when I was looking at this, I wrote myself a note uh, to remember to bring it up. Uh, to be honest with you, I looked at these numbers and I actually thought. This is incredibly historic. August was a different world. It's a lifetime ago, doesn't it? It feels very like we're in a different different place. Well, now. we were in a more positive place. Pandemic finished in in August. You know, we'd opened up in July. You know, the summer was summer was here. The weather was sort of okay, um, and everybody was out whining and dining in um, in the streets in Soho and Covent Garden to make a London centric comment, but when you think about in the six weeks since the end of August, what has happened with the energy price crisis, Mm -hmm. the fuel crisis, supply chain issues. Um, And and I just think, well, interesting, but I can't wait to see September and October's numbers. Yeah. Although who knows what what the world will be like in another six weeks' time? Oh. I mean, it, it it kind of feels like it's very very fast. I mean, we've had periods, haven't we, over the the time that we've been recording this podcast, where where you know time seems to be transformative, and you go you go yeah. through a period of a couple of weeks, and and you can't kind of recognise what what went before. And I think it feels like we're in that that kind of period. Yes, I, 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 I can't help um, uh, wondering if only we measured um, UK productivity in terms of crises, then we'd be doing really well. Yeah. Well, let's let him talk, talk about productivity. We've got employment <laughs> um, figures out, haven't we? And next, 
They are mixed. Yeah, I mean, talk, talk us through the um, talk us through the headlines. Okay, well, I mean, I, I would say it was half and half positive and negative. The positive was that the overall in, unemployment rate dropped to four point five percent, and actually for the quarter to August, that's down zero point four percent. Great on a rolling basis, and 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 let's face it, this is not where we thought we would be. Um, four or five months yeah. ago, when we were all fretting about the yeah. end of seven percent, I think we were even thinking about could could happen with the end of furlough. So this is good. Yeah. This is good news. Yeah, the employment rate. I'll come back to this very carefully in a minute. Employment rate up to seventy five point three percent. That's up half a percent in a quarter, mm-hmm. and the number of uh, payrolled employees in September finally got back to pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic levels. But, but overall employment is still down. And ONS specifically referred to a drop in self-employment. Mm-hmm. Now, this is either the dreaded IR35 biting Mm-hmm. Or it's the fact that, uh, now to be honest with you, if you're running a struggling business, the freelancers are the first people. Tends to be the go. first go, yeah. But first to to go, or or the the first to um, you know to cut to be cut back. So, um, and, and again, I got quite angry, and I do tend to get angry these days with how the government and the media spin some of these things. Uh, job vacancies are now at one point one billion. It's a record. It's up 300k on pre-pandemic, and the government was out there spinning away, saying this is fantastic news. It shows what a buoyant economy we've got. I think if you're running a business and you're short of, you know, forklift truck drivers or HGV drivers or fruit pickers, the answer is that's not good news. It's not good at news all. at all. It's not good news, and of course you've got this. Uh, this feeds through into into inflation again, the wage rate rise. Now, we know that the gross figure, excluding bonuses, mm-hmm. for um, the quarter to August 2021 was that uh, wage, wages rose 6%. If okay. you strip out the temporary factors, uh, the uh, ONS says the actual rise is between 4.1 and 5.6%. Now that's a that's, that's a huge. Let's assume it's four point one. That is all feeding through into inflation, mm. because we we what, what what's the dam that has broken um, now is that I think businesses have got to a point where they're saying we ain't going to absorb this anymore, mm. and they're going to need to pass on be, because um, no, who, who was it? Um, there was. Um, uh, right now, uh, we're in day two of the Retail Week um, conference, which is the first face-to-face live conference, and it's been full of um, comments about how they got through the pandemic and some of the wonderful things that, that, that the retail sector has, has done. Caught my eye this morning was a senior retailer, um, sorry, a senior supply chain uh, executive, mm-hmm. um, the the guy who heads um, the Two Sisters group that supplies oh, right. pretty much mm-hmm. all yeah. the chicken that we oh, eat yes. mm-hmm. is saying that he expects um, food price rises in the next year to be in double digits. 
Because people like uh, you know him and his business, you cannot keep absorbing these costs mm. um, and, and will set to one side what these sort of margin pressures do to business investment, which is, we'll come back to that another, yeah, another time. week or another yeah. time. Um, so that wage rate rise is... Is, is a real, real worry. And I, and I don't think they're picking up all of it by any means. And the, and the, and the only, you know, the, the, the thing would be, uh, you know, coming back to slightly to business investment, but if that would lead to into increased productivity, but but it's not really, is it? I mean, we're, we're just seeing, it, it's just pure increase in, in costs. Oh, it's um, an inflationary spiral, which, yeah. we, you know, where nobody wins, you know, um, wages rise, prices rise, wages rise, prices rise. It's illusion, you yeah. know, and the people that get hurt, of course, are people on fixed incomes. Yeah. Uh, of which there are a lot. A lot of people, indeed. A lot of people. So employment, we come come back to. I mean, let's let's let, look at the positives. The the employment, the, the that kind of tsunami of employment, uh, unemployment that we thought might be coming with the end of furlough hasn't materialised um, so far, yeah. which is a very um, very good Positive. thing. But um, yeah, there are other other dangers, and and of course, you know, with all the the ending at the end of um, at the end of September of the. Uh, provisions on insolvency um mm-hmm. measures you know winding up um petitions that are back on um i think the the time of the the credit insurer predictions about insolvency is um is very pertinent so we've, we've had now atradius and eula hermes um with their with their predictions for, for what's going to to happen yeah. so for atradius they're they're predicting 33 percent rise is that right yeah, what they're, what they're saying is um, in UK insolvencies were 20% down in 2020 year on year. Mm-hmm. They're predicting a 7% year on year rise this year, 2021, starting now. Yeah. Uh, and I have to tell you that is beginning to happen, but it's still slow. Um, uh, and they're predicting that 2022 will be 33% up on pre-pandemic, which would make it huge. It would be the highest increase in the world, apart from Italy, which is 34%, they're predicting. Um, and actually, they're quite right to look at pre-pandemic, because trying to compare with 2020 is nonsense. Meaningless, you know, yeah. Nonsense. And so 33%. Um, and lo and behold, hot on their heels were Eula Hermes, who interestingly um, came out and put a number on the number of on, on the success rate of the government support schemes, and they say that they think the government support measures have prevented uh, a remarkably precise eighteen thousand nine hundred insolvencies, but they are predicting a rise. And, and it's difficult. I tried to drill down into the reports and got lost. I was I was down a rabbit hole with no sign of coming up back up again. Um, but anyway, they're predicting a rise of thirty two percent. I'm just not quite clear what the comparative is, but let's assume it's broadly similar to a trading pre pandemic. But both of them, and here's the caveat, and it's one of my soapbox topics. Both of them specifically warned about the zombie company mm. problem, and say you know said that the there were, there's always been a zombie problem. The uh, COVID has created a, a whole new you know, battalions of them. And uh, what both of them say is if the zombie problem works itself out quicker than they think it uh, is going to, then these 33 and 32% predictions will prove inadequate. 
the rates will be higher. They'll be higher. And what's your view, Nick, on the profession's ability to to cope with this kind of Uh, level of... Not good. Not good. Mm. Um, There has been a lot of loss of capacity. And my worry is something I highlighted. I wrote wrote an article for um, a, a magazine about what are the responsibilities of insolvency practitioners in the post-pandemic period. And the big problem is what is referred to in the uh, in the trade as the empty job problem. So it's the case that your friendly introducer, your lawyer, your, your, your accountant, your bank um, brings to you, which they want you to do for, for the sake of the relationship, but has got no, has got no assets no in it, assets. and therefore you're not going to get paid for it. And the problem is just how much of that the system will either be able to absorb or can absorb, mm. uh, or wishes to absorb. Um, you know, so and that's not good. It's not good for creditors if um, these workouts aren't being done properly. Yeah, it's absolutely not good at all. Yeah, I mean, the insolvency profession does provide a, a very valuable service in actually. I, I know getting much, out un, much unloved, no credits. violins being played anywhere, but yeah. the answer is it does. It it does. There are some startling numbers about the number of businesses it saves and the number of jobs it preserves, but nobody's really interested because they 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 think they think that uh, they're the vampires of the recession. Mm. That wonderful phrase that um, uh, I I heard, um, and it was not applied to me, but it was applied to somebody I knew quite well, um, who was described by a creditor at a a meeting as an insolvency practitioner. uh, When the creditor said said to his face at this meeting. Your smile reminds me of moonlight shining off silver coffin handles, which I thought was wonderful. But anyway, never, never mind. Never mind. Passions right run high in these uh, in these scenarios, and I think that you know it, it, it's it's clear that there there is a, a lot of. Um, of, of trouble to to come. I mean, the numbers. Yeah, you know, there's just an inescapable um, reality about about what the numbers are. Yeah, um, are telling us on balance sheets that we're seeing um, yeah. coming in. Should we, should we talk about Felix Stowe? Yes, yeah, let's 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 move on to Felix yeah, Stowe. Yeah, Felix Stowe, because we talked about this a year ago, or was it months ago? Where there I was think a, both, both probably. Probably both. <laughs> where there was a crisis, um, and now we really have got trouble at port going on. Because uh, remember, forty percent of all UK container trade goes through Felix Stowe. Yeah. And the uh, the technical term is the dwell time for a container mm-hmm. at Felixstowe has gone up from at, when it's at its most efficient hours and when it's in normal times, probably a day, a day and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's gone up to nine and a half days. Wow. And there has been some talk, but I, I think this was an attempt to frighten uh, the government and various other people. Uh, some talk about turning ships away to ease the congestion. And the problem is, haha, not enough HGV drivers, well, where have we heard that before, but also not enough port staff, both handling the paperwork, mm. which is very relevant post-Brexit, yeah. post-Brexit paperwork, and actually operating the, the container mm. um, the cranes, lifts, mm. call them what you like. And, and, and all I would say is, just in case you think this is a bit, another bit of UK incompetence, there was a very interesting series of heat maps um, published, uh, heat maps, something like a heat map anyway, um, published about um, port congestion around the world, showing the number of ships that were waiting to mm. dock 
um, around the world at various major ports. And it doesn't matter whether you look at China or you look at the west coast of uh, the States, um, where you look, the answer is it's not going well. No. It's not no, and I think I think there is there's reports now that the US ports are trying to get to switch to 24 hour operation to try and clear some of this um yeah. backlog if they've got staff. Presumably that is quite a big um a big if. And and I think as well the um is it Cuno Nagel, the one of the freight forwarders, um, was saying that Southampton and London Gateway are also now facing two to three day waits at sea before yeah. being able to dock. And then, you know, the, as you said, the dwell time is is starting to to increase yeah. um across across the place. We got, have we got time for me to have a, a very, very brief rant about business rates? Yes, yes, do actually. I because I hadn't I hadn't picked this up. I knew well. this was something that was being in fact, I mean, what you're saying actually is a is a real blow because I think there was there was talk about wanting there to be some moratorium on business rates and some oh, you know, some relief. Look, look, but the, we're well past that. It's fair to say the the government and the, and the treasury in particular um sort of led everybody in the retail and hospitality industry and local government up the garden path here and spent has spent months saying yes we know there's a problem with business rates don't worry we're going to come forward in the autumn with some proposals for reform for, for fundamental reform well it appears um this morning that um they haven't had enough time to do do enough about it so in the budget statement, which is where there was expected to be some serious announcements, there will now be some minor amendments to the regime, and they will come back to the problem in due course. My Twitter timeline, bear in mind that I do a lot in retail, my Twitter timeline is glowing red mm. with incandescent anger from everybody, from retailers, uh, to placemakers um, trying to preserve and to uh, improve high streets and town centres, this is a disaster. Mm. You know, it's government. I understand what's going on here. I get it. It's not easy, and the government's got to come up with major reform. But it's got to the outcome. Maintain income. To be, it's, it's got to be broadly speaking fiscally yeah. neutral, and it ain't easy. But I bet Amazon are rubbing their hands with glee. This this morning saying, oh, wonderful. Don't have to worry about that for a bit. Yeah, so I'm really angry. Yeah, and um, in the context actually of what we've been talking about, these are the retailers that are already, you know, potentially in the zombie zone and, you know, got lots and lots of pressures on them. And this this lack of yeah. um, a promise reform is not... Um, I, I know, not and helpful. of course the hospitality people, you know, the business, the business rates click, you know, click back in soon. And... It's going to be about, anyway. Sorry, end of end of rant. No, it's, um, it's useful. It's useful to understand that um, that that is another thing that's 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 going on. So thanks for um, for, for slipping that in as we <laughs> draw to a close, Nick. Um, as ever, thank you so much for your um, your insight and your um, your delving through the treasure trove of of news to <laughs> to bring us the most relevant um, pieces this week. Joe, it's a joy and a pleasure as always. <laughs> thank you, thank you to everybody for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.